Welcome to the Graybeard Chronicles podcast. Your hosts, Brian Halstead and Kevin Harkins, are two gray-bearded patriots who love God, their family and friends, and their country. The Graybeards are here to inspire, inform, and educate you on a myriad of topics they are passionate about. Brian and Kevin have a strong desire to share this with you to help you live your best life. Sit back and enjoy this amazing podcast as the Graybeards pass along the wisdom of the ages. Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode number 26 of the Graybeard Chronicles. Episode 26 and, and Merry Christmas to everyone. We, uh, we missed that last time, Kevin. Yes, we did. And, uh, and hello to you, by the way, Kevin. Hello to you, Bryant. Merry Hopefully Christmas. you had a, had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas. I had a great Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, because we did remember that when we upload this thing uh, and it, uh, it releases on Wednesday morning, that will actually be the first day of 2020. So Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody listening to this. Everything's fresh and new. Everybody Absolutely. has their resolutions. By the way, do you have any resolutions, or do you? Uh... Yeah, I'm not a big subscriber to uh, to New Year's resolutions. I I believe in making changes as they're needed along the way. Okay. Um, I don't need a a click on the calendar, or, you know, a certain day on the calendar to to make those things. So, and you know, there's all kinds of research about how uh, how you know not successful most of those are. Yeah. Very much so. I think most people have abandoned their resolutions, I think, before the end of the first month, actually. So, all right, no resolutions for you. All right. I'm good. Every day is a resolution for me. Every morning, I awaken. You okay there? Yeah, I'm just checking the setting on the microphone here. We uh, look like we're getting some really strong signals here, and I just want to make sure we're not overpowering anything and making this thing sound horribly static and so on. I know, you know, we deal with uh, some of the background, the ambient noise that's going on in here. And, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of the, the price we pay to have a nice place to be able to smoke a cigar inside where we're not freezing to death. Right. Or today, you know, freezing outside wasn't a real problem today. Right. But uh, uh, 71 or 2 degrees? Yeah, crazy. But it's getting chilly Almost, again out there yes now. Yes, it is. The temperature is dropping quickly. Yes, it is. We got some exciting stuff to talk about tonight. You, uh, yeah, you were kind of coming out of your seat last time we talked about this one. You were getting excited about the possibility of, or I would say, the you know the actuality of discussing this topic, and uh, and it was your choice. And I look forward to talking about it. I know you do too, for sure. But why don't you tell us about it? Well, we threw the topic or or the the subject matter out there last time anyways that we were going to talk about what's going on in Virginia with the um, gun control ideas and and the um, legislation that's been pre-filed and and so on. The uh, the fact that the uh, uh, Democrats have taken over our state legislature and, and now are going to be able to do some of the things that they've wanted to do all along as far as gun control goes. Um, we didn't have a catchy title with it the uh, the first time we talked about it when I just kind of threw that out there on the last episode. But I, I threw this title um, with this episode, and it's um, Gun Rights and Politics, Virginia in Crisis. And I, I think that's pretty accurate because Virginia right now, and I'd, I would argue that other places in the nation as well are in crisis when it comes to um, gun control matters, this, this discussion, and a lot, a lot of other things that are, that are going on too in the political climate and just in our society in general. I would say right now, at least on the gun control discussion, Virginia is ground zero right now. I think the planets have aligned for, for the, you know, the Democrats to, to be able to do, right, you're right, what, what they want to do. And uh, it is amazing. And if, for those of you who, who aren't paying attention to this particular issue, the grassroots sort of support that's starting to boil, no, it's, it's beyond that already, right. that has spread across the state of Virginia to, um, to sort of put up a rallying cry to say, boy, you better, you better think about doing this. And, and the, the battle that has begun on this issue in the state of Virginia is remarkable, actually. And, uh, I did some reading this week that, that gave me the opportunity to go back and 
actually look at some of early Virginia history, and it's fascinating. I, so I look forward to getting into it with you on nice. all kinds of these issues. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, that'll be interesting to hear some of that history. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just the whole the whole idea to me is a is a head shaker. You know, I. I was raised around guns from a very early age and you know guns have have always been a part of my life and the the idea of of that being restricted in, in any way shape or form is just it's a shocker and 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 when you talk about you know folks that ultimately i think whether they'll come right out and say it or not would like to confiscate certain weapons from people, if not of all of them, in, of in, uh, you know, in general, and oh, to I... disarm the public, because you know, a, a disarmed public is way better to, to manage and control, right? And I use manage on purpose because, and I'm not contradicting myself with, with things I've said earlier about, you know, lead people and manage stuff, right? I, I think that there are some that want to manage people, yeah. and that's what they're. That's one of the things I think is their end game with with trying to disarm our society. Yeah, do you have, and uh, I'm looking at what you have down there on the paper over there. I mean, do you want to talk about specific components of the proposed legislation and go through those? Or how do you, how, how do you want to do this? And, and um, there, there was, when I was looking at this, there was one issue in particular, and you actually mentioned it to me last week, that the more I looked into it, the more it sort of made my blood boil. And uh, you want me to state what that is right sure. here? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. and, and to answer your, the first part of your question, no, I'm, I'm not really looking to go dive point into the point. weeds yeah, real okay. deep on okay. the, yeah. the proposed legislation. And, and the, the reason I, I don't want to do that is because there's enough people out there that are getting wrapped around the axle about the specifics of what's written here in many of these. And I think that's important to, to understand. And at the same time, um, I also know that very few uh, bills ever get passed in the format that they were initially written in. Correct. So there's a lot of stuff in here that'll go away. And, you know, and that's, that's part of the process that we want to talk about. Right. Well, the thing, that, the, th the thing that really caught my attention about the proposed legislation, and this is what I think has gotten everybody really up in arms, is right now there are millions of law-abiding Americans who own guns, and and have operated them safely with good judgment uh, that have no ill intent. I mean, the, the overwhelming majority of people are law-abiding citizens and know how to behave and know how to handle a gun when they are owners. There's one piece of the proposed legislation that if it were to pass, Anybody who has a magazine of any kind that has more than 10 rounds in it, five minutes earlier they were a law-abiding citizen, this law gets passed, they are a felon. You cannot, according to some of this proposed legislation, possess, well, first of all, assault rifles are gone, of course, of any, of any type, and handguns, we're talking about a Glock that has you know, a magazine with you know, more than 10 rounds in it, which basically they all do. Maybe one doesn't, maybe the really small one. But handguns, there's a lot of handguns that have more than 10 round magazines. You are now a felon if you have that gun after this legislation passes. That is out of control. That is ridiculous. That is, in my view, well, it's, I, I do strongly believe it's unconstitutional. Yes. But, but the fact that they would be willing to do that, that says something about the psyche. That says something about where they're headed with this. Because, you know, of course, everybody wants true, well-debated, reasonable constraints on guns. Especially when it comes to people who are mentally ill and, you know, are dangerous to themselves and to others and so on and so on. You know, right. there's, those things aren't arguable. But, you know, the the several steps forward in getting everybody to register a gun that, that has them and of course as we know and history is replete with first you register first you register it and then you confiscate it right somewhere down the road and if you don't believe if, if you think that's just a bunch of baloney then you don't know history and history we're not talking distant history either we're talking you know in some countries just within the past five years venezuela yeah 
there you go. I mean, Venezuela is is in a mess right now. I mean, it is it is the poster child for socialism, and the place is. I mean, the economy is wrecked. The people are starving, and the first thing they did when uh, this this regime started taking over was get rid of all the guns, and you know it's. It, if you don't think it can happen here, especially in light of the rate of change that's happened in America in politics over the past decade, you are not paying attention right. because it can happen. You know, oppressive regimes have been out there as long as mankind has recorded history, and it is out there. And if you don't think it can happen, you are just you're in la la land. Yeah, your 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 head has to be buried in the sand somewhere. You know, you, you think about the wisdom of the founding fathers of our country and the foresight that they had to have based on the experiences that they had had to date to write something like the Second Amendment into our Constitution. There, there's no accidents that that's in there. You know, and you have all these folks that will say, you know, well, you don't need this for hunting. You don't need this for, you know, uh, recreational shooting whatever that's not what the second amendment is about that kind of stuff wasn't you know i mean yes hunting hunting wasn't a sport when that was written right, right. hunting was a means of survival mm-hmm. and that still wasn't the purpose of it right i mean that the, the whole intent of that was to maintain a society that could stand up to a tyrannical government amen and you know we're we're seeing the very early phases of what could turn into a tyrannical government, you know, left unchecked. You bet. And, you know, that's, that's why we, the people, have to have the ability to stand up and say, no, that, that's, that's not going to happen. We, By the people, for the people. Yeah, and that, it's not, that's getting lost. And it's not a right that, that anybody, and that's another misconception I, I hear people say, you know, the, the, the right to bear arms. The, the founders and the, the, uh, the authors of the, the Constitution, they weren't giving the people that right. They were just putting in ink on paper the affirmation of that God-given right that we all have to protect ourselves right and that particular freedom yeah right so the the fact that we're even here is a uh is a shocker and and it's also kind of reaffirming to to sit back and and think about those those guys that actually put this in writing oh so many years ago you know how smart how much wisdom did they have to realize that there were going to be guys and gals like we have in our current or incoming legislature in Virginia that are going to want to take those rights away from us. And Virginia of all states, you know, yeah. which was, you know, probably the most influential state uh, back during the revolutionary period in the country's history. And, you know, when you look also at the Federalist Papers, which provide a lot of the background information that, uh, that explains the thought that went into, you know, the amendments that actually made it into the Constitution, it's remarkable when, and, and this is to add to your point, for them to be able to anticipate what the issues would be and write about them in a way that you can understand it crystal clear still today, right. 250 plus years later, it, it's amazing the, the wisdom that they had. And yeah, it was to be able to provide resistance against a tyrannical government. That was the purpose of the Second Amendment. And there are people out there, and you know, I was watching you know videos on this this week, and there are people out there like, do you seriously believe that the U.S. government is gonna you know overtake the American people and and be oppressive and be? Yes, yeah. it's happening. Who was a who was a congressman the other day that made a comment about it would be a short war because the U.S. government has nukes. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, right. I, I, I forget that guy's name. I don't know. I, I read that and I'm like, seriously? You know, now he supposedly has backpedaled a little bit and said, you know, tried to explain that he was making that comment in jest in response to a comment made by someone else. And this was all done on Twitter. Um, you know, I, to say that? Right. 
to, to say that the U.S. or even to vaguely imply that the U.S. would use those weapons against their own people is just freaking ludicrous. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you, you can't keep your head in the sand and think it's not possible because when you have folks that are that, are that jacked up to where they think that that is a uh, viable solution, then, uh, yeah, I guess anything's possible. And that's why we've got to be able to defend ourselves. And, I, you know, we talked a little bit about we, before we started this, and, you know, while um, gun control and, and these proposed laws um, that uh, have, or the, the bills that have been submitted in Virginia are certainly a concern, I think these are really symptoms of a much bigger problem. And, you know, we've talked about some of that on, on earlier podcasts, the, um, the nature or lack of respect in our society. Right. Um, you know, we, we don't respect the office of the president of the United States anymore. Right. You know, people, you know, just disrespect, um, you know, you, you don't have to like whoever's in the office right now. Right. And at the same time, you have to respect the office. Right. And, you know, and we've said that before. Um, and that's gone, right? So, you know, human decency in many cases is, uh, is gone. We just, um, our society needs a freaking spanking. And we need a wake-up call, you yeah. know, and it just reminds you that elections matter. And, you know, for, for all of you and all of us, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, you know, if you are one of those people who sort of, eh, you know, I'll get around to voting maybe, or if it's convenient, or if I can work out that day, you know, on November 2nd, if I can actually find the time or get it, you know, the weather's not bad, or, you know, you kind of sit on the fence. Oh, my goodness. Elections matter. It's it's happening right now because, you know, who knows exactly what's going to come out. And take other issues right. throughout the nation. I mean, look at the language that politicians and other influential people are talking about climate change climate you know all of the things that are going on with uh, global warming and this and that and if you don't and you know I've, I've heard this a million times and it's, it's just a bunch of baloney um, it's 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 an overwhelming consensus that climate change is is man-made well I mean it's only an overwhelming consensus if you ignore the many hundreds of scientists who have gone on record to say that it's not man-made, right. or we don't know enough to know that it's man-made. And so that, that's the stuff, it reminds me of, and I've said it on this podcast, a different episode before, the late, great Viktor Frankl. There are two, there are really only two races of humans. There are decent people and there are indecent people. Right. That's it. And there is a rash of indecency that is going on lack of debate shut you down you're stupid you're wrong and it's the same issue with with this whole gun issue and and yeah we got to fight for it freedom is not free no. it never has been it never will be you got to fight for it you got to protect it you got to look out for it and you have to stand up when it's time to uh and I know you know that. Well, it, it's interesting, too, though, because, you know, you talk about this generation of folks that are coming along that, that uh, you know, basically don't have respect for anything. Right. Um, they don't respect this country. Yeah. You know, and when you have a generation they, of people that don't respect line. this country, yeah. who's going to step up and fight to protect it? Right. Yeah. When it, they get it, to the point yeah, where it's, it's, they're of age. It's, right. It's scary to, to think about. Um, I, I just think, you know, you mentioned the voting thing. And in many ways, I think um, a lot of the really vocal people that are, are standing up and, and really um, getting involved now because they see what's about to happen or what could potentially happen in Virginia are some of the same people that have been complacent in years past and allowed these other folks these squeaky wheels to get this momentum and put people in positions of power that now have the potential ability to to enact some of these laws that they're talking about enacting it's our fault it's our fault you know because we're I mean, asleep at the wheel we absolutely are yeah. i mean i 
I can't, you know, I won't say I don't vote because right. I absolutely do. Right. And at the same time, um, I know that I have not been near as involved in the political landscape as I need to be. Right. To protect the freedoms that, that we, you know, have enjoyed and, and are under, they're under threat. Yeah. And I guess, you know, and, and not making excuses here, I, I just, I think that, you know, in my mind, some of those things are just like off limits. You don't mess with that. Right. That's right. just, you know, that constitution and the the rights that were written down or reaffirmed by the, the writing of that constitution are just not something that can be dicked with. Right. And now we've got a bunch of people that think they can. Right. Now, like you said, I think it, I think their actions will be unconstitutional. And at the same time, how much headache are folks going to have to go through in the meantime while that goes through the legal system? Um, I, I think a lot of that could be avoided or could have been avoided by being a little more active and a little more vocal. And, you know, they, they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Well, I, I think there's a lot of us that haven't been noisy enough. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's, that's changing, absolutely changing. I don't know if you've looked. I, I read, a, there, there, by the way, and anybody who wants to look it up, you can. The, the, there's a great letter that uh, I got to look at the gun owners of America put a, a great response to Attorney General's Attorney General Herring. Right. Is that how you say his name? Right. Um, his his sort of uh, legal opinion about the whole sanctuary counties and sanctuary um, Second Amendment sanctuaries that are that are being established and the numbers that I saw as of just a few days ago. Um, there's basically less than ten, maybe maybe about five counties versus there's 114 counties towns and localities that have declared themselves through official vote of county supervisors and so on as as second minute second amendment sanctuaries and those that haven't i mean it's like it's like five or maybe maybe at most 10 versus 114 i mean this is a yeah. this has woken people up and and then Attorney General Herring said they have no legal standing, sanctuary, which is his hypocrisy on full display because guess what? When, when the whole issue of immigration came up and they started declaring sanctuary cities there, he was in favor of sanctuary cities, right. sanctuary yeah, counties. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't have well, Who are you? Yeah, I mean, the, the hypocrisy, that's the stuff that drives me crazy. That you know the, the hypocrisy and and I don't know how people sleep at night knowing that you know one minute they're on this particular side of the issue and the next minute they're not based on which direction the wind is blowing and your hypocrisy is a flashing neon sign yeah. that everybody sees and it's ridiculous. Yeah, the uh, the Second Amendment movement is uh, is is huge in Virginia and it's spreading. Right, so there's lots of other states that are getting involved too. Right. Um, you know, I, I looked at the numbers. You know, there's um, what 95 counties in Virginia and 38 independent cities. And the uh, the, the data that I had may have been a little bit um, older than than what you had. So the, the numbers weren't quite as high, but it's still, you know, I, I had 76 out of 95 counties, and the cities were much lower, um, nine out of 38. And this data was supposedly good as of 1228 but you, you know you just never know where the source of some of that information so it's bottom line is it's a big number it's a big you know number, right. there, there's a lot of people stepping up and and saying no you know we uh, we're not going to allow this to come into our community and while it um you know the, the attorney general can say what he wants it might not have any legal standing um you know what they're saying is we're not going to use any of our resources in our jurisdiction to enforce any of these unconstitutional laws having to do with firearms. Now, what does that mean? You know, where, where's, where's the court system? Where are all of the bits and parts of that, right? So, I mean, obviously the governor still has a state police that he can utilize that, are, you know, is within his direct control. But the county sheriffs, no. The local police forces, no, those are all controlled by those localities. And the sheriffs are constitutional officers. 
um, depending, you know, depending upon the relationship that they have with their individual localities, that uh, will dictate how much influence the, the locality itself has on that sheriff's office, right? So what I mean by that is, you know, there's certain funds allocated by the state to pay deputy sheriffs, and many times localities will supplement those wages to provide a competitive wage to get the personnel that they need. And, and, and actually oftentimes make the force bigger than it, what, what it would be allotted just by the state. And in doing so, you know, sometimes the sheriffs have to, you know, give up a little bit of their, their, their power, if you will, um, to, to bargain to, to get those additional resources. So, um, but when the, when the jurisdiction as a whole says no, you know, there's a tremendous amount of power in that. Yes, sir. You know, is. so, you know, just play that out, right? The state police, the, the governor orders them to, to continue to enforce these laws. Well, where are they going to take them to court, right? Where are they going to house the people that are arrested? Because many of those facilities, if, if not the, you know, most of them, um, until you get to the state correctional level, those are all localities, um, either, you know, owned by the locality or private entities that are contracted um, with the locality to house their inmates and so on. The state doesn't have control over those folks. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's a big, it could turn into a big pissing contest because, you know, then you have, you know, the state regulating law enforcement certifications and, you know, it, 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 it's a bunch of nonsense, really. And at the same time, you know, it does have power. The, the second, and I don't want to get off track anymore here, but um, the Second Amendment decisions that these localities are making absolutely are, are they have more teeth than just a statement. Oh yeah, and it, they do have legal standing. Uh, and that was a point that was made in this uh, Gunners, Gun Owners of America letter that was this uh, public letter that was put out there. And the point that they were making is all politicians and all law enforcement are sworn to protect and defend what? The Constitution, Constitution of the United States right. and the Constitution of the state. Guess what they're not sworn to protect and defend? The legislation. And so their first, their first order of business is to protect the Constitution. And it's not just the judiciary that has you know, the ultimate say because otherwise politicians would just be saying, well, we're gonna pass laws, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's the judicial branch that is supposed to decide, and we we therefore swear allegiance to the ju judicial branch. No, they there there is many many examples in American history of local politicians not enforcing unconstitutional laws that were put into place by by higher government authorities that were wrong. Many of them. So there is legal standing. And I, I wanted to read this quote that came out of the letter, which to me is so powerful that they wrote, and it's. It says this, talking about the number, the uprising of, you know, people who are saying no, 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 and it's this. The vast majority of Virginia localities have made it clear that any attempt by the General Assembly to forcibly disarm Virginians to register their weapons in preparation for their eventual later forcible seizure or otherwise to turn law abiding Virginians into felons would be a Latin verb, ultra virus, vires or something like that, which means acting beyond one's legal power or authority, and thus it is no law at all. That's powerful, and that's what's causing all of this to, yeah. to take place. So it's time to rise up and say, hell no, you ain't doing this. And, um, and it's not, you're right, it's not just in Virginia. There are many states that are taking this on, but right now, because again, the planets have aligned for the Democrats, right. Virginia's ground zero. Everybody's watching. Yeah. You know, I, in, in looking through some information and, and, and so on leading up to recording this podcast, one of the things that kept popping into my head is what problem are they trying to solve? I was just thinking this. I was. Keep going. You know, because you hear them talk about gun violence and gun deaths and, and you know, all of these reasons that um, limiting the, the types of guns and so on would, would help reduce those numbers. 
and we start looking at the numbers, they don't support their argument. No, not at all. You know, the it's 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 not. It just washes it down. Right. You know, which which leads more to the fact that ultimately what they want to do is disarm our society. That's what they want we, to do. Yeah. So they I, can I think, control it. I think that's their end goal. That, that no, is their no end doubt. Goal. It's all about power. Because the rest of the stuff doesn't add up, right? The numbers don't support it. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that, that jumps out at you when you start looking at gun deaths is the fact that we include suicide by firearm in the gun death right. totals. Right. That's a different problem. Now, they happen to use a mechanical means of a firearm to end their life, and that's tragic. We've talked about suicide and, and the issues associated with that. That's a different problem. When you look at the total numbers of gun deaths in Virginia from 2008 to 2017, the number's over 9,000. And over 6,000 of those were suicides wow. by firearm. Wow. Okay. So the number. Do we have a gun problem right. or do we have a mental health problem? Yeah. Right. I, I think we, we, we keep dancing around the fact that mental health is really a problem in our country. Right. And we're trying to solve that by taking away the means. You know, and, and I, I was thinking about this, you know, the whole drunk driving, right? We punish the people that are the offenders. We don't take cars away from everybody. So why don't we just enact stiffer penalties for people that are committing crimes with guns? There you go. And do something about this mental health epidemic that we have in our commonwealth, country, and across the world. You know, we've talked about the staggering numbers of suicides. It's just, you know, there's a much bigger problem that people aren't paying attention to. You're right. And, uh, you know, back to the metaphor that, you know, we've used before, and that is when one person has cancer, you give them chemotherapy. What goes on here when, when one person, one crazy person takes a firearm of some sort and, and uses it to slaughter innocent people, we give the entire community chemotherapy. We give everybody chemotherapy instead of dealing with that one person. And so that it's, you can't, oh, you can because they want to do it. But I believe you're right. I believe, you know, they will use any instance they can to further the cause, but the ultimate goal is to disarm its citizens so that you can control them. Yeah. And so you don't have to worry about the people uprising right. like we did when we decided to become a country, you know, right. back in the Gun 1700s. violence and people dying is not their concern. Right. That's right. If it were their concern, they'd be doing more about mental health, because that's uh, you know that, that's a huge number. Yeah. That suicide number. Yeah. And when you know you got over sixty percent of the deaths from firearms are because of suicides. We don't have a gun problem. Right. We don't have a gun violence problem. We have a mental health problem. <clears throat> Another issue you hear all the time: got to get rid of assault rifles. Got to get rid of assault rifles. Got to get rid of assault rifles. They're evil. They're bad. And the vast majority of gun-related crimes are not completed with assault rifles. They're completed or, or rifles at all. At all, it's you know it's handguns. Yes. But but you know their first step is get rid of the assault rifle, and then we'll start. Then we'll take on the. They know they can't do it all at once, so they're trying to chip away at it, a little right. bit of time, a little bit of time. Pretty soon, all of your freedoms are gone, ladies and gentlemen. Freedom isn't free. It has to be fought for. It has to be watched out for and protected. And our freedoms will be taken away if we don't stand up and stop it. We, the people. It's, the government is by the people, for the people. And right now, there are many people who believe that government is the be-all, end-all. The government knows better than everybody else on how our society should be operated. And they want to force us to fall into those models. And it's all an issue of power. It has nothing to do with anything else. That's where it's headed. And it's sobering. It's, you know, we got to wake up. It's... Yeah. yeah. We don't need fewer guns. We need more of them in the hands of the right people. I agree. People actually. that are trained, yeah. know how to use them, and are willing to use them to defend themselves and others. 
um, just like this unfortunate incident that just happened in Texas in, in, in the church. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've got this service going on via a, a, a live feed to, to YouTube. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I still haven't heard anything about this guy, you know, the shooter's background or potential He's motive. Retired. Or, he, oh, or the, the shooter's shooter. background. Oh, yeah. yeah, the offender. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the guy that took action and actually took the shooter out, you know, um, Jack Wilson, I believe is his name, um, you know, hats off to you, sir. That is, that is absolutely outstanding. Retired uh, FBI agent. He, uh, he is, um, now I'd heard that. Um, I don't think that's true. Oh, I don't know. You know, I, cause I've heard, um, other law enforcement capacity like a, uh, and maybe they're all true, right? You just get bits and parts. Uh, but he certainly does have a background in law enforcement, whether it's with FBI or, um, cause I, I read deputy sheriff somewhere. Okay. Um, but he's a guy that has been in the firearms industry for years, uh, had a training academy and, and so on. So certainly proficient with his, um, Oh, you can tell if you if you watch that video. Yeah, and you can tell that. And that's not a you know you look at the distance. That's not an easy shot. No, no, no. it's not. No. Not an easy shot not without with hang, stress. Not, not without a, right. Not with a handgun. Right. right. Absolutely. So the, the the gentleman definitely has some skill. Oh, there's no and, doubt. And uh, God God bless him for being there at that time and, and being willing to stand up and protect Six himself seconds. and those other people. Can you imagine what would have happened in that church? That guy had just been able to run free. And uh, I, I don't know if you if you watch the, the video, there are I don't know several people with handguns that are running yeah. up. I've, I've watched it a bunch of times. Um, you know, based on, on my background and, and so on, I, I watched it from many different lenses. Um, you know, and, and you can armchair quarterback things, and, and, and uh, you know, in situations like that, you have to right because that's how you learn right. to do things differently and. and you know, so what, what I'm about to say is not meant to disrespect anyone. Um, and at the same time, I think it's an opportunity to, to learn um, and, and do things differently, right? So I, I absolutely believe that we, we need more guns out there in the hands of the right people that are trained to use them and willing to put in the time and effort to be proficient with them and know how to respond in certain circumstances. One of the victims that I watched, uh, the, I believe it was the first gentleman that was shot, was trying to draw his gun and not doing a very good job of it. Okay. Um, and it, it was painful to watch. Okay. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, he's, he's wearing a, a cover garment um, and, you know, it, um, he was struggling to, to get access to his weapon and, and, and take action. Um, his, you know, I applaud his willingness to to do so, right, to, to make that effort to, um, but that just uh, is, is more evidence to me that you, folks have to uh, focus on training in the environments that they're potentially going to be uh, thrown into and have to act, right? So it doesn't do you any good to go to the range day after day, I don't care if you go there every day, and poke holes in paper and most, most ranges won't let you do this, so you've got to figure out other ways to do it, whether it's um, you know, an un, unloaded weapon at home um, or finding a, a facility where you can uh, practice your, your draw and your presentation, uh, because that is as important, if not more important, than being able to put accurate pull, rounds pull on target. Yeah. Because I don't care if you can put all of your rounds in one nice little pretty hole if you can't draw, present that thing, and get lethal rounds down range within, you know, a second to a second and a half, your goose is cooked. Yeah. You know, you you've you've got to practice those things, and you know, I I have this, and I'm I'm getting into the technical weeds <laughs> here a little bit, you know, but it, it's it's important stuff, right? Because I I want people to carry guns, right. and I want people to to be able to use them in the right way. And there's just so many folks that, that, you know, buy guns and carry them and think that they're protected and that they're going to do something to those around them. And, you know, I, I mean, I could get off track and talk about the gear and some of the, the crappy holsters I see people carrying stuff in. And, it, it, you know, I see, I see those guys and, and I think, all right, well, that's great. There's another gun if I need it. 
um, right. because he's not going to be able to keep me from taking that from him um, just because of the crap that they carry this stuff around in. But, um, you know, semi-automatic weapons is, is another thing. You know, I, you know, I have people ask me all the time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a gun. You know, what should I buy? How much experience do you have? None. Okay, buy a revolver. You know, uh, learn on that, right? There, there's, there's very few moving parts that are going to get jacked up when you use a revolver. Right. You know, and, and when you start talking about semi-autos and the functionality of those and the potential for malfunctions and what to do then, uh, that takes hours of practice to master. And, you know, just like getting that thing out before the bad guy has a chance to get the drop on you, that takes hours to master and, and you've gotta, you got you gotta do it, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and, and you carry a handgun and you carry it concealed, please do yourself a favor and unload that thing at home or if you have a range where you can, uh, well, actually, I would prefer that you unload it at home and practice your draw and presentation with an unloaded weapon till you get really proficient at that before you start adding live ammo to the mix. Right. Um, and then, you know, work, go to some location where you can draw and actually fire um, live rounds. Most, like I said, most of your ranges won't let you do that. Right. For safety reasons. Right. And um, you just, you, you got to be good at it because, you know, having the gun, it's not going to do you any good. You got you to be able to get it out and use it. Yep. Quick. Yep. So... I might have got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but it just, it, 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 it pained me to watch that video. And I, I, I backed it up and replayed it numerous times um, watching that play out. And, you know, the guy, he died because he couldn't get his gun out. Right, right. And the other guy did. Right. And ended the situation. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was a good little uh, ditty that you did there. I just needed to be quiet and let you go. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, I'm going to push my soapbox underneath the table now. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've about covered it, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff we could go and, and, you know, dive into each one of these bills and, um, and, and talk about the, the stuff that uh, is written and, and so on. But one of the, uh, I think we can kind of summarize that, and, and I'd like to share... Uh, first off, I'd like to give a huge shout out to the Stafford County Board of Supervisors. That's the county I reside in. Um, know many of those people. Yep. And I tell you what, I, I, I stayed for the entire session that night and it ended you know, sometime after 11. And uh, I couldn't have been more proud of that group of people, the way they handled the scenario that night and the comments that they made in support of the citizens of Stafford and their willingness to stand up and protect the constitutional rights of the citizens of Stafford and say no. Um, just huge, huge. Did they um, do a vote that night? They Was did. There, right yeah, there? They asked, yeah, so they, they had to do two things, right? Yeah. So that the, their bylaws won't permit them to vote on something the first time it's brought up. So in order to vote on that, uh, that evening, they had to first make a motion to waive their bylaws. Well, they, they, had to, they had to verify with legal counsel, the county attorney, that there was a sense of urgency um, that would necessitate them to waive their bylaws to be able to vote on that uh, resolution that evening. And they did that. So they, they voted to waive the bylaws, they waived them, and then they voted on the resolution and unanimously passed it. Um, I, again, hugely proud of those folks, and, and you you know, bet. hats off to all of them. And the, um, you know, there's lots of video out there of uh, you know the, the things that they said afterwards, and you know I'd encourage people to to listen to it because they uh, they said some really cool stuff. The the, the one that I want to particular in particular call attention to is some of the information that Mark Dudenheffer shared with with the folks that were there that evening, and you know Mark has served in the um, House of Delegates um, here in Virginia. So he, uh, he has a good understanding of what happens down there in Richmond. And the way he summed it up is absolutely priceless. And, and you know, he, he just said, you would not believe what a cesspool that place is. And the reason that he decided not to continue 
um, and seek reelection to, to stay in the, in the House of Delegates is he wanted to come back and work at a local level where he could actually have a noticeable impact on the quality of people, quality of lives of, of his constituents. And, that's a, that's you know, a strong word to talk about a House of Delegates at, at the state level. It is. Yeah. Calling them a cesspool. He could, yeah. Straight up. You yeah. know, and I'm, and I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. I mean, right. this is a recorded session. He right. said that in a public setting. Right. Um, he, uh, he absolutely called, them a, called it a cesspool and, you know, did not have positive things to say about that scenario, that entity in, in any way, shape or form. Um, so that, that was huge. And then, you know, the other thing that he shared was, and I think many people know this, but, you know, ultimately, I didn't know this part, uh, that there is absolutely no vetting process when it comes to submitting a bill to the, uh, you know, for consideration. A, a draft bill, right, to, yeah. To, yeah. To file these things, right. right? So what we're seeing is these pre-filed bills, those things weren't vetted by anyone. You know, if I decided that I was, you know, let's say I was sitting on, on you know, as a, as a delegate, and I decided I want to write a bill that said on Fridays, everybody has to wear a green baseball cap. Right. There's nothing that prohibits me from writing that and filing it. Okay. Now, the likelihood of that ever passing is slim to right. none. Right. Um, and that's the same with a lot of things that are written of the, and, and Mark pointed this out that, you know, of the, you know, two, 3,000 bills that will be filed, uh, very few, you know, maybe a hundred or two actually make it into law. And few, if any, ever make it into law in the exact format that they were initially written. Right. Because there's so much back and forth that goes on and, right. you know, agreements behind closed doors to eliminate this part, add this part, and, you know, concessions made here and there. Um, kind of, um, in, in some ways, that's good, right? So we know that you know the stuff that we've read and in, in particular in, in senate bill 16 you know there's there's a lot of stuff in there that will never make it to to law and there's you know there's a lot of stuff there that we don't ever want to make you know have it make it into an actual law but it was it was interesting to understand that process from his perspective because he's been there um so i, I just you know i wanted to give those guys a shout out because they did a phenomenal job and I was uh, very proud to, to be there that evening and, and watch that, that go down. Well done. Awesome. So what else? What else have we... Uh, and, and I know, like I said, we can get into the weeds and talk about the, uh, these things in detail. I just don't think we need to. I think what we need to continue to do is, is be active, be vocal, uh, write letters, emails, let these folks that have been elected into various positions know how we feel about it. Right. And, you know, now's the time, right? The, that, that sleeping giant has, uh, has been awakened and, yeah. uh, and, and we need to step up and do something about it. Yeah, I believe it has. And then, you know, my, my point back to the very beginning, is the, the thing that just, it, it, it disturbs me about this particular issue, but it also disturbs me about politics in general is just the again the hypocrisy you know you can you can support sanctuary cities on immigration but but you can but but you can then with a clear face say sanctuary cities have no legal standing when it comes to the issue of gun control i mean it's just and so that kind of thing decent politicians real politicians can you use those two words in the same sentence I think you can. I think there are some. They're not. There's not many, but there are some. Yes, I, I do. Yeah, I would that. agree with that. Yeah. And, and certainly, um, yeah, I have to agree with that based on what I just said about our board of supervisors. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Saved you on that one. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Elections matter, people, and uh, phone calls and letters and making trips and talking to people. All of that makes a difference. So. Yeah. You've owned this. And get out there and, and solve some of the other problems that are going on in your society, in your local communities that are contributing to, to these underlying problems of mental health, suicides, and things of that nature. You know, get involved. Get involved in your community. Get, in, get involved in um, community-based organizations, fraternal organizations, civic organizations, 
you know, get, get out there and, and help people live better and more productive lives so that they don't go down the wrong path and get involved in situations that cause them to, you know, think suicide might be the, the right solution. Um, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many things we need to do to make our society a better place again. You know, teach people to be respectful of one another. Um, and teach good citizenry in school, which doesn't exist anymore. That's another thing that's largely gone. What does it mean to be a good citizen? You know, right now, they're just fed a line of crap after line of crap about how everything is bad and everything is evil and the government needs to control it all because individual people are not capable of doing so. Yeah, and that's, and that's wrong, right? That is absolutely wrong. wrong. That's, a, that's building a house with a weak foundation. You know, you, you first have to be responsible for policing yourself. Right. You know, we are, we are all responsible for taking care of our own stuff, how we conduct ourselves, so on and so forth. Right. That's where it starts. Yep. And then it spreads from there, right? Your, your family and, and friends and folks that are, you know, within your sphere of influence. You, you, you got to make sure that folks are doing what they're supposed to be doing to be productive members of society and hold them accountable for that. Yep. That's it. You don't think we can slice and dice this anymore? <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think we've, yeah. uh, we've certainly made a, a good discussion of it. And, uh, and I know that there's, you know, folks listening that would, uh, would have things to add. Yep. And, you know, this is not the end-all, be-all discussion to this. This is our opinion uh, based on it, um, based on the current set of circumstances and, and what we know at this time. Um, you know, and neither are, one of us are attorneys. There are others Thank out God there for that. who are going to disagree. There are people out there who listen to this who will disagree with this, and that's fine. Let's have a discussion. Let's have the debate. Let's be decent people as we do so. Right. Um, and not try to end the conversation by labeling and calling each other names. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you're getting our opinion of this, of this matter. But it's a well-founded opinion with a lot of history to back it up. And... Um, I believe that strongly, and we need to protect the freedoms. Again, they're under attack. So, yeah. And while you're out there doing that, make sure that you always enjoy the ride and bring a gun with you. <laughs> you might need it. Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Great Beer Chronicles. Please subscribe so you'll receive notification when new episodes are available. To learn more about the Greybeards, visit their website, greybeardchronicles.com.